Remember, this is your life. This is not a rehearsal. This is real life. You don't get a second chance. This is the first message in the series, Smart Living. The message is entitled, There's a Smart Way to Live. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Well, this morning I'm excited about starting a brand new series of messages and started in, entitled Smart Living. And I want to talk to you today about the, the smart way to live, smart living. We live, if you will, in a smart world. I'm sure that most of you here today probably have a smartphone with you or a smart device. Some folks have smart cars. I understand there are some cars that will actually park themselves now, uh, which I need to get one of those. It would improve my parking skills, I'm sure. Uh, we have smart houses. You can set your lights to go on and off at certain times and your thermostats and all these kind of things. All these things are wonderful with a caveat. And the caveat is this. Even though we have smart things, they don't make us any smarter. Wouldn't it be great if you could just hold your phone to your head and download the knowledge of the Internet, right? But none of these devices actually make you smarter. In fact, it can be argued that these conveniences can actually make you dumber. Think about it. You used to have to calculate. You had to actually add and multiply and divide numbers. You don't have to do that anymore. All you do is pull out your smartphone. You used to have to navigate. You actually had to know north, south, east, and west. And when you really got complicated, you had to understand northeast and southeast and northwest and southwest and then north-northeast and north-northwest. I'm getting way too complicated for some of you here today. And so you, you no longer have to calculate. You no longer have to navigate, and for many of us, we no longer have to cogitate. You might say, what does cogitate mean? Google it. <laughs> so many smart devices around, all we need to do is Google things, or Siri, or Alexa, and I hope no Alexas go off right now as soon as I say that. But what happens in this world in which we're living, even though the technology is getting smarter, we're not necessarily getting smarter ourselves. Actually, in many ways, I could perhaps make a case today that the world, from a morality standpoint and from just human relationship standpoint, we're actually getting dumber. We're not doing better. We're actually doing worse. And we're doing worse because we don't have something the Bible calls the real kind of smarts. And that's what this series is all about. This series is all about smart living. It's all about how you and I can learn to be smart people. And I'll download or I will explain this or unpack this more for you in just a moment. And the focus for this next several weeks, actually through the month of June, we're going to take an extended period of time in this series. I'm going to be looking at the book of Proverbs. So I really want to encourage you to start reading reading with me the book of Proverbs, to read one chapter out of the book of Proverbs every day, each day of the week. In fact, we've developed a little Bible reading guide for you. I think they'll put that on the screen there for you. And you can just look it up, download it. It'll guide you through the 31 chapters of the book of Proverbs. And when you finish that 31 chapters, start back over again. There'll be enough time, I believe, in this series to go through the book of Proverbs, reading it together at least twice. So make that, in addition to whatever reading you do, make that an additional reading of your Bible, or if you're not reading your Bible at all, this would be a great way to start reading it. 
It's very sad how many people no longer are reading their Bibles. I read a statistic just the other day that 26 million people stopped reading the Bible during the pandemic. 26 million people in America just stopped any daily Bible reading at all. Now, that seems kind of contrary to common sense. You would think that during the pandemic, you would read more of your Bible to find comfort from God, but somewhere the Bible went by the wayside, and many think that was because church attendance went by the wayside, but it's time for all of us to get back to the Bible, back to the Bible. And I want you to notice the description of what this book of Proverbs is all about. The word Proverbs is is really a word that means a a short little statement that implies wisdom or implies a principle, a pithy little statement that you can easily memorize. And so the book of Proverbs is 31 chapters of these little statements that give you understanding about life, God's perspective on life. They were written by Solomon, third king of Israel who was inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he begins the book of Proverbs in chapter 1 by explaining to us exactly why he gave us this book and why he was moved by the Holy Spirit to do so. Notice these words. Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1. These are the Proverbs, the little statements, the little pithy, wise statements These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of of Israel. Their purpose, here's the purpose, is to teach people what? Wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose, again, he's telling us the reason we have this book, is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives to help them do what is right, just and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple knowledge and discernment to the young. And so all of us are simple in many ways. That word simple does not imply the incapacity and ability to learn, but it it, it represents to us the foolishness that we all have in life. And the Bible says that these Proverbs will deal with our foolishness, our simplicity. It will give us knowledge. And if you're young, it will give you something called discernment for your life. Now, today we're going to take a look at some very important aspects of this. We're going to take a look at three things that are vital to understanding this book of Proverbs, laying a foundation, because I don't like to start any series of messages without giving you some kind of foundational understanding. And so I'm going to give you three things today that you need to understand about this whole idea of the book of Proverbs and where we're going in this series together. Number one, the first thing for today is this. Smart living is wise living. Smart living is wise living. To live smart, you need way more than academic understanding and intellectual understanding. You need wisdom. And so smart, we're talking not about intellectual smarts, intellectual academic ability. We're talking about something called wisdom. We're talking about being smart down in your soul. We're talking about being smart in your heart. We're talking about having the smartness of God in the way that you guide and direct in the way that you live your life. And this kind of smartness comes from only one place. It comes from God's Word, the book called the Bible. And so we're going to take a look at what the Bible says to us about wisdom. I want to give you eight facts about wisdom that we find from Scripture because smart living is wise living, and wise living comes from Scripture. Here are the things we'll look at together. The Bible teaches us very clearly that God is the source of true wisdom. 
If you want to live your life based upon what is true, not what is false, not what is contrary to how God created you, then you have to realize that God is going to be or needs to be your source. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, fear of the Lord, that is reverence of God, the worship of God is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. So God is the source. Second thing scripture teaches us is that the world offers an alternative but inferior version of wisdom. There's wisdom out there in the world. I'm not talking about just intellectual academic wisdom. I'm talking about soul wisdom, heart wisdom. There's wisdom in the world. The world will try to tell you how to live your life. But when the world tries to tell you how to live your life, most of the time, 99.9% of the time, it is contrary to the wisdom of God. When the world says it's right, usually it's wrong. So you and I need to realize that there's wisdom coming at us. People are always trying to tell you, this is the way you should live your life. And much of the world and much of the media will try to tell you how to live your life. It's an an alternative but inferior version of wisdom. Look at this verse of Scripture and what it says. It says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but what happens? It ends in death. The third thing the Bible teaches us about wisdom is that we choose to either increase our wisdom or remain foolish. In your life, every day you're making choices. Your choice will be, I will gain more wisdom from God and from the things he's doing in my life today, or I will continue to remain foolish in my life. It's a choice that you make, and I want to bring that to our attention because unless you realize it's a choice, you'll, not, you'll never do anything about it. You'll never gain wisdom or more wisdom in your life. Proverbs 19.8, the one who gets wisdom loves life. The one who cherishes understanding will soon prosper. So wisdom, you've got to get it, and you have to cherish it. We're going to come back to this very important point in just a few moments. What else does the Bible teach us about wisdom? That our choices, wise or foolish, what do they have? If you live a foolish life or make foolish choices, what will your consequences be? There will be foolish consequences, or we might say painful consequences. If you choose to live life wisely, then consequences, positive consequences, will follow. Take a look at this verse of Scripture. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. You ever met someone like that before? They just mess up their life. So, well, God, why don't you do this to me? God said, I had nothing to do with that. You did it to yourself, all by yourself. Okay. It's not that God's not able to help us in the midst of our foolish mistakes, and God, by his grace, can help us. But you and I need to realize that these, cons- these choices in life have consequences, and we must understand what those consequences are. The Bible teaches us that God wants to give us his wisdom. We're going to unpack this more in just a moment, but take a look at this very important verse of Scripture, Proverbs 1.23. Come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. Isn't that a beautiful promise from God? God says, come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you. I'll make you wise. And then we understand that Jesus Christ is the way to wisdom. 
If God is a source of wisdom, and indeed he is, in his book, the Bible is the source of that wisdom for us, at least the manual for wisdom in our life, the question then begs, how do we know God? How do we come into relationship with God? Well, God has made that very clear. The way you come into relationship with God is through his son, Jesus Christ. And I like to really emphasize this point as much as I can every weekend, because a lot of people are confused about how to have a relationship with God. And the way that you have a relationship with God is through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus came into the world to pay the price for our sins. He died on the cross of Calvary so that we could be forgiven. He was the ultimate sacrifice for sin. He rose from the grave, proving he was the Son of God. And Jesus himself said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No person can come to the Father except by me. And so if you want to get to God and you want to get to the wisdom of God, the way to God and the way to the wisdom of God is through Jesus Christ, through none other. Okay. He is the way to this relationship with God. Notice this passage in the New Testament. I'm taking you over into the New Testament just for a moment. In him, in Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. In him, in Jesus lie hidden all the treasures of what? What are we talking about here in this series? Wisdom, smart living. In Jesus lie all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And the eighth fact that I'll give you about wisdom from the Bible is that God's Word is the textbook that teaches us wisdom. If you take any class, I don't care what discipline you're studying, I assure you that whatever your discipline might be, your, 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 your skills you're trying to obtain, the knowledge you're trying to get in life, you're going to have to have a textbook along the way. You have lectures and you have textbooks. And those textbooks are designed to give you the understanding of how to apply, to grasp, to get the concepts, and then how to put into practice those things that you're learning. And God's Word, listen, God made you. Did He not? He created you. And so He created humanity. He created us, and so He gave us a book to tell us how to function. That's all the Bible is. The Bible is a life manual, a life guide. I made you, God says, here's your book that will guide you in the way that you are to live. It is the textbook. And if you don't study the textbook, you'll not have the wisdom that you need. Colossians 3, again, New Testament, let this message or the word of Christ or the word of God, the message about Christ and all its richness, fill your lives. Get the word of God in you is what is being said here. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. And so the wisdom comes from the message or from the word of God. So the first principle is that smart living, as we're defining it here in this series, is wise living. We're not talking about intellect. We're talking about a soul wisdom that is necessary for all of us to live effectively. God's wisdom is the most important thing that you and I can pursue. There's nothing more important than the wisdom of God. Proverbs 4, 7 says, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do, and whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Here's our second principle for today. Wisdom is going to make your life better. If you want a better life, I will assure you the more of this you have, the better your life will be. The less of this you have, the worse off your life will be. 
Wisdom is not going to keep you out of all troubles in life. No, it's going, to, uh, it's going to help you to navigate trouble in life, but it's not going to keep you from all trouble, but it gives you the ability to know how to handle life well. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the, to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Then you will understand what is right, just, and fair. You will find the right way to go, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. If you take time to meditate on these verses, Proverbs 2, 6 through 11, you will see that there's so much in this passage that describes how wisdom will make your life say it with me, better. It'll make your life, it improves every aspect of your life. Let's take a look at some of the ways that wisdom is going to improve your life. We talked about the fact that God is the source. There are many facts he gives us about wisdom. Now, how does it make our life better? When you have wisdom, you end up investing your life instead of wasting your life. Wise people invest instead of waste. If I were to present to you today a couple of financial options, let's say, for example, I'm, gonna, I'm a stockbroker and I want to sell you some stocks, and I say, here's a, a set of stocks that I want to sell you. This set of stocks has been losing money for the last 50 years. It's never made any kind of profit at all. This set of stocks has been gaining significantly amount, significant amounts of money for the last 50 years. Which of the two would you like to buy? Now, if you choose the one that's been losing money for all those years, obviously you don't have much (laughs) wisdom. But when you understand that something, if I can invest in something that's not losing, but I can invest in something that produces a gain in my life, that's what I want to invest in. Listen closely. When you gain wisdom, that's why you need to get wisdom, and you and I need to gain it in our lives. When you get wisdom, you stop investing in losing stocks. I'm not talking financially now. I'm talking about your life. There's so many people that are investing their time and their treasure and their talents and stuff that's going downhill. It's not gaining any kind of profit for their life at all. But the wiser you become, the more you start investing in things that will add profit to your life. And again, I'm not talking financially here, but I'm talking overall benefit to your life. It will make your life better. So we invest our life instead of wasting it. The second thing that happens when you gain wisdom, you expand your abilities and you realize your potential. Inside of every one of you, you have an amazing amount of potential. You haven't come close to tapping the the potential that's inside of you, that God placed in you. But that potential, those skills, those, those abilities, all the plans that God has for you and for me, they're only expanded and come into fruition with wisdom. It also, number three, increases our influence. When you and I are wise, the wiser we are, the more influence that we will have in a positive way. People will want to, will follow people who are wise. And God wants you not just to be a follower in your life. He wants you to be a leader. And to be an effective leader, you need wisdom. You don't need more talent. You need more wisdom. There are a lot of very talented people in our world today that are absolute fools. Let that sit there just for a minute. 
celebrated people. People who have lots of money, lots of stuff, but when it comes to the way they're living their lives, there's no wisdom there. And so if you want to really be an effective leader and influence other people positively, you need wisdom, increasing in wisdom. And then it also helps us to protect ourselves and others. The wiser you are, the more your life is going to be protected from mistakes and failures and things along the way that can side rail you. And it will protect people around you. If you're a parent, it protects your children. The wiser you are as a parent, the the wiser your children will be. And the more protected they will be, it will help you in your business. Wisdom will help you make better business decisions. You need wisdom because it provides protection. It also will inspire other people. You know, the world needs some inspiration. We need people that are living inspirational lives. And inspirational lives is is a life that brings, brings breath to other people, that gives other people hope. And our world desperately needs hope. And the best way to be a hope giver to others is to live a wise life so people can see there's a better way to live. And then also we experience something beautiful, We experience God's peace and God's joy in our lives. The more wisdom you have, the more of the peace of God you're going to have. You're going to also experience more joy in your life. There's there's no losing when it comes to wisdom. When you gain wisdom, it's always a win in your life. Here's our third and our final point today. Here we go. You ready? Read it with me. We get wisdom by, by doing what? Going after it. How do you get wisdom? We learned the facts about wisdom. We learned that wisdom is going to make your life better. We saw all those things that result when you you have wisdom in your life. But here's the really big question. How, How do you get it? What's the pathway that will get you to this journey or on this journey to gaining greater wisdom? Let me say something before I outline for you this pathway. Everybody here, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, I don't know how long, it doesn't matter how long you've known the Lord or how many Bible studies you've attended. Every one of us still have some foolishness inside of us. Amen? Everybody's still a little bit of a fool. All of us are by, like a, about a second away from stupid. <laughs> Amen? Okay. Some of us don't even take a second, okay? Half a second away from stupid, okay? And so we always live on the edge of life, just shy of stupid, Okay? Because there's, there's something in us called our flesh, okay? Our carnal nature that is contrary to the nature of God. There's something called the devil who tempts us and works against us and tries to pull us into foolishness. So there's temptations that we're dealing with, the flesh that we're dealing with. There's our own pride that we're dealing with. All kind of stuff can get you in trouble. So just always remember, no matter how long you've lived your life or how long you've been a Christian, it doesn't take too much to slip into the stupid side of life, okay? And so we, we have to be hungry for wisdom. You can never get to the place. I've been a Christian for a long time, and I still need more and more of God's wisdom in my life. I'm still, I still I, I wake up every day and realize I've done a fool, few foolish things that day. I've said some things I shouldn't say or thought some things I shouldn't think or been a certain way in my attitude I should not have been. I need to gain wisdom. So I'm trying to help us all get on the same page here. Everybody needs it, but to get it, what do you have to do? You've got to... Go after it. You've got to go after it. By the way, aren't you glad you can see me writing with my right hand again? That good, okay? Yeah. 
I graduated from the cast to this thing, and hopefully in a week or two, you won't see this anymore. So thank you for your prayers. So let's talk about how, do, how did this happen. How do you get on the path of wisdom? You got to want it. You got to desire it. There has to be something in you that says, I am not satisfied unless I'm going, I'm growing in wisdom. I'm getting more of it in my life. A deep desire. You will never get anything in your life without hunger. You have to hunger for it. There has to be a passionate desire that says, I want this in my life. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 15, the Bible says this. Wisdom is more valuable than jewels. Nothing you could want can compare with it. Notice this verse again. Wisdom is more valuable than jewels. Nothing you could want can compare with it. Think with me for a moment. How much do you want wisdom? Are you really hungry for it? If I had a big box of diamonds and emeralds and gold and silver and platinum and all kind of amazing jewelry and precious stones, and I had it sitting here on one side of the platform, and on the other side of the platform I had a box called Wisdom, and I said, come and get it, where would the beeline be? Think with me for a moment. Which would you run after? Would you run after this box that says, oh, that's what I really want. That's what's going to make my life really complete. No. The Bible says, look at what it says. Wisdom is... The Bible says if you really understand what wisdom is, you'll run after that box instead of the other box because it's that box that is more valuable than anything you will ever have in your life. And then how do you get wisdom? You have to invite God to rule over your life. Let's talk about this for a moment. You will never have wisdom unless you want it, you desire it, you realize it's more important than anything else. It's the greatest thing you could ever have. And then you'll never have wisdom unless you actually invite God. Notice this word here. What is the word? Rule. You've got to let God rule over your life. Now, rule over your life, I'm going to give you another word here, and that's he's the one that has to have authority over your life. That you've come to the place in your life, you're able to say, you know what? I don't want what I want with my life. I only want what God wants with my life. And if God says yes, it's a yes. If God says no, it's a no. If God says wait, it's a wait. Whatever God says is what I want, and I will submit myself to the rule of God. I will submit myself to the authority of God. God has the right to tell me how to live my life. See, unless you come to that place of saying, God, you have the right to tell me how to live, you'll never find wisdom in your life because God is the source of that wisdom. And if you're not submitted to him, you'll never discover the power of that source at work within you. That's why this verse is so important. How does a man become wise? The first step is to trust and reverence the Lord only fools refuse to be taught. Notice Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. 
respect and obey the Lord. This is the beginning of wisdom to have understanding. You must know the holy God. Now, this word for know is a very personal word in the Hebrew language. You must have experience. You must be in a relationship. It's a relational word, okay? The Hebrew word is a relational word. You must know the holy God. Be in relationship with him. So how do you get it? Anybody want wisdom in your life? A couple of you do. That's awesome. Okay, that's great. <laughs> so good to see that two people are really excited about this whole series. It's great. How many of you want wisdom in your life? Do you want it? I do. My hand's up. Okay, I want wisdom. I want it. It's better than jewels. It's better than anything. I want the box called wisdom. Amen? Okay. And so if I'm going to get it, I've got to want it. I've got to give God the rule of my life, right? Now, God, you're in charge. You're the one that has the authority over my life. And here's your next step in the process. You have to ask God for it. God is waiting for you to ask him for wisdom. It's not a one-time ask. It's an ongoing ask in your life. He delights in giving wisdom to people who ask for it. Let me tell you a story that some of you are familiar with. If you've gone to Sunday school or done any Bible study at all, you probably know this story. When Israel had its first king, God established a kingdom with a man by the name of Saul, and Saul became the first king of Israel. He messed up, and David becomes the second king of Israel. David was an amazing king. He extended the boundaries of Israel like they'd never been extended before. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal king, very successful. Notwithstanding some of his own personal issues he had, he still was blessed by God. And David had a son. When David was about to die, he asked God, who am I supposed to make the next king of Israel? And God spoke to him and said, I want you to anoint and appoint your son Solomon to become the king. And so Solomon was one of David's sons, and he was the son assigned to become the next or the third king of Israel. His, his job was going to be to build the temple that David had longed to build all, all of his life. So Solomon, think about this for a moment. Solomon is coming on the scene as the successor to David. Think about that for a moment. He's following a really successful person, okay? I mean, it's one thing if you're following a failure. It's another thing if you're following a really big, a really successful person, right? And so Solomon feels very intimidated about his responsibility to, to step into the shoes of his dad. And he didn't know how he was going to handle it. And we were able to gain some insight into this, this feeling that he had and what he does with it in 1 Kings chapter 3. Now, Lord my God, it's a prayer that Solomon prays. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child. Now, by the way, he wasn't a little child. He was a full-grown man, but he felt like a little child. He felt so intimidated by the bigness of this responsibility that he felt very small. I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people. You have chosen a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart, also can be translated wise, a wise, discerning, or can we use another word in the same way that we're using it in this series? A smart, wise, discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased. Now, what prayer did Solomon just pray? What did he ask God for? 
a discerning heart, wise heart, a smart heart. And the Bible says the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you've asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you whatever you've not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David, your father, did, I will give you a long life. Let me break that down for you. God says, Solomon, you asked me for the right box. I learned something about you, Solomon. You asked for the right box. You didn't ask for all the treasures and all the wealth and for the death of your enemies. Instead, you asked me for the one thing that was the most important thing you ask me for wisdom and because you ask me for wisdom I'm pleased with you that you ask me I'm going to give it to you but by the way Solomon not only am I going to give you this box called wisdom I'm going to throw in the other box also okay I'm going to throw in the other box because this box leads many times to the blessing of God in so many other other areas of your life now please don't hear me say that Wisdom makes you rich. Wisdom doesn't always make you rich. There's a lot of wise people that live in levels of poverty and levels of, 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 of deprivation at times. But the point I'm making is that wisdom enriches your life in so many wonderful ways. But you have to ask God for it. It's in the New Testament as well. James 1, 5, and 6. If you need wisdom, that's all of us, Correct? Ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. So you've got to want it. You've got to let God rule your life. And then you have to ask God for that wisdom. And then the next thing that's necessary is you have to become, what's the word there? A student. Let's talk about being a good student. If I were to bring up some teachers here or professors here today and ask, what's the ideal student? The ideal student, I've done a lot of teaching over the years, and so I've had a lot of different classroom situations that I've been involved in. And I can tell you the best students in the room, the best students in the room always have this characteristic. They're humble, or I'll give you another word, they're teachable. You can't teach anyone, anyone who's not teachable. And teachability comes from humilities. Anybody that has pride, if you have pride, you know it all. You you can't teach anyone, someone who says, I already know it. And so if you're going to gain wisdom, you have to approach God and your relationship with God, your relationship with people, your relationship with the world around you, with, with humility, with a teachability, with a desire that says there's more that I need to grasp. I need to be a student every day in my life. I'll tell you another thing that's vital for a good student. You know it well. They pay attention. Usually the best students, not always the case, but usually the best students sit in the front of the class. They come to the front of the class, they get up they're really close. The bad students want to get as far back as they can. Okay? So they can do what they want to do. Okay? 
But the, the good students, they want to get up close. They want to pay attention to what the teacher is saying. They ask questions. They're learning. They're inquisitive in terms of, let me, how do I understand this for my life? They're, they have an appetite to learn. And so you and I need to become a student. Look at Proverbs chapter 2. It describes this student attitude. My child, listen to what I say. Treasure my commands. Tune your ears to what does that mean? Pay attention. Tune your ears to wisdom. Concentrate. Is that not a learning word, right? Concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight. Ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasure. Then, when you've been a good student, then you'll understand what it means to fear the Lord. You will gain knowledge of God for the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The question is, are you seeking it? Are you listening for it? Proverbs 4, 1 and 2. Notice again the student mentality. Listen, my sons. Listen. Pay attention to a father's instruction. Pay attention. Gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. Here's the next thing. If you're going to gain wisdom, what do you do? you got to practice what you learn. I want to kind of bring this very quickly to a conclusion because I, I just I think I can wrap this up fairly quickly here. Wisdom from God in your life is never meant to be information. Okay? God does not want to fill your brain with information. Okay? God wants to touch your life with transformation. Okay? It's really important to get the difference. Okay? And transformation comes by revelation. So if I were going to draw a graph here, I would put information, revelation, and transformation. There's another word I could use in there as well, but that's another message. Inspiration that God gives you sometimes. Either inspiration or information leads to revelation, which leads to transformation in your life. But the end result of any work that God wants to do in your life is not to make you intellectually smarter. He wants to transform your life so that you're more godly, okay? You're more like, like him, more like Jesus, okay? And so a lot of Christians tend to think, if I can get a lot of Bible stuff in my head, that I'm going to be a better Christian. No. I've met a lot of people that have a lot of Bible stuff in their head, but it never found its way from here down to here. See, when it gets here is when it changes your life, amen? Okay? When it gets right here and you feel it, you know it. I don't mean feeling in terms of emotion, but you, you've understood this is what I need to do with my life. This is wisdom. And now I'm going to start practicing it. To practice it is to do it. Now, when you practice something, you don't do it perfectly all the time, right? If you're practicing, if you're a student of piano and you're practicing piano, you're going to make mistakes along the way. That's why I hate that phrase, practicing medicine. I would prefer they not practice on me. <laughs> but practice is perfecting the process. You're applying things step by step. You're learning from your mistakes, okay? Are you going to make mistakes in this pathway to wisdom? Are you? I want you to understand. You're going to make some mistakes in this pathway to wisdom. I'm not trying to tell you you're going to live a perfect life. No, you're going to make some mistakes, but you're applying. You're seeking to make it work in your life, not just in your head up here, but in your heart. Notice this, Proverbs 4, 4, and 5. My father taught me, take my words to 
heart. Follow my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. No, get it and develop. That's a process. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. What have we talked about today? We talked about the fact that in this series of messages in the book of Proverbs, we're talking about smart living and smart living is just defined as wise living, wisdom. We talked about the fact that you need wisdom because wisdom is the very thing that's going to make your life better. And if you're going to get it, you've got to go after it. Can I encourage you as we start this series together to make the decision, to make the decision that for the next two months, as we go through May and June together, as we study the different aspects of wisdom as it affects our lives, that we're going to say, you know what, this is my time to make sure I'm going after the right box. Amen? I'm going after the box, and it's got a big wisdom on the front of it. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word today. We're grateful for the opportunity that we've had to study. We ask you'll take this message. We pray it would stimulate hunger in our hearts to gain wisdom. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us as we move down this journey together. For that, we thank you in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray, and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus... I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.